Are you an investigative professional? Did you know you can find the best private investigator resources using investigatorstoolbox.com? This resource community was built exclusively for licensed investigators and investigative professionals. You can network directly with members. Hey, you want to join Toolbox for half price? Act now. For this week only, use code EPISODE157 and save $100 on this amazing community. That's right. A one-year membership will only cost you $100. Act now. PI Perspectives. You guys have been hearing uh, for a long time about how much I love Crosstracks, but now you're going to hear from somebody else. So we got George Gerges here. George is a member and user of Crosstracks. George, tell me real quickly what you love about Crosstracks. The simplicity of using it and the ability to customize everything that you could do with Crosstracks is awesome. It actually allowed me to take the way that I do my business and implement it into their system. And not only am I able to manage 10 or 15 cases, I'm able to manage 50 to 100 cases with the same effort. Fantastic. So Crosstracks, um, the case management system, they are SOC 2 certified. Basically, that's an encryption really an upgrade. They're the only ones out there that are doing it. So please support this great sponsor that supports our show. Uh, check them out. The links are in the show notes. Crosstracks, if you're an investigator, you should be using them today. Welcome to PI Perspectives, and we hope you're having a great Labor Day. We all work so hard in this industry, and we're sure there are some folks working today building cases. So Matt welcomes Dan Collins from Massachusetts. We're continuing the theme of criminal investigations, and we're getting Dan's take on post-conviction investigations. These are the type of cases that can keep you up at night for sure. So let's get right into it. Please welcome Dan Collins and your host, private investigator, Matt Spare. And welcome everyone to this week's episode. Today, I am honored to uh, welcome Dan Collins to our program. Dan is a PI up in Massachusetts. I've known him through NALI, just a really great PI. I've actually used him, outsourced stuff up to Massachusetts and in the Boston area. He's handled for me and done a great job. Um, today, we're, we're continuing this theme of criminal investigations. We've had some really great criminal investigators on the last few weeks. I figured, why not? Let's keep it going. <laughs> so I want to uh, welcome Dan Collins to the program. Dan, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. I appreciate you having me here. Yeah. Yeah. So level investigations and you're out of Massachusetts. You're in the Boston area, right? Or or close to it? Yeah. I'm in a town called Woburn, which is about 20 minutes north of Boston proper area. I'm in a really good spot, right? Where the interstates meet. So um, I hit most of Massachusetts uh, with my work. A lot of my work is mainly in the Boston area because that's where the crime happens. But uh, there's still plenty of work to do uh, in the neighboring communities. Right. That's where all the movies come from, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. I've got one case right now where uh, it's, it's starting to kind of rub up against the north end of Boston kind of uh, crime family type stuff. And, uh, you know, it's, it started real small, but it's getting bigger and bigger the further the investigation goes. So it's an yeah, interesting. It's, it's crazy like that. So um, one of your mentors um, was John LaJoy, right? And we all know John yes. passed recently. Uh, he was very influential to you. Um, talking about crime and, uh, and the Boston area just reminded me of a story that John told me and John, was always good for a bunch of stories. We were talking yeah. about the uh, the Isabella Gardner uh, uh, museum heist, yeah. and yeah. he was uh, very involved in trying to recover some artwork. He had a very interesting story on that. No kidding, I hadn't I hadn't got that story. I didn't know he was involved in that at all. But that's uh, 
I think it was actually a, a Netflix documentary cool. on that. That's how I found out about it. So I was talking to John. And I was like, hey, I just saw this great documentary on this stuff. He goes, ah, let me tell you a little insight on this one. <laughs> like, <start laughs> Artwork. I believe and, it. You know, two hours later, the story still wasn't done, but, <laughs> but we got some good info. Yeah, that sounds like John. But, you know, it also sounds like John, he's, he was in everything. He, he was he was criminal defense. Yeah. Um, so you know, so I worked what, with him on a few cases. Yeah. So let's focus back on that. So, so John was kind of a, a mentor to you. And even Brandon Perrin, who was a guest a few weeks ago, yeah. um, was pretty influential in, in the work that you do. And, and we're going to talk about post-conviction investigations today um, and just get your take on it. Um, and we've done the topic before, but I wanted to get your uh, perspective on this stuff. So before we jump into all that, um, I got some housekeeping things to get off my list here too. Yeah. Um, we met through Nally and uh, you are a regional director for Nally and there's an event that's coming up down in Virginia. So why don't you tell me a little bit about that event uh, that's coming up? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, John, is the one that recruited me to Nally initially uh, several years ago. I was a member, and then he uh, wanted to recruit me onto the um, the executive council there because uh, I was um, very involved with my state organization where John used to be the president. Um, and then he got me involved, and I'm regional director now, which covers the 12 states. And uh, one of John's um, ideas that we spoke about a couple of years ago was um, bringing back the regional conferences. Um, it was a big thing for Nally. Um, it was a recruiting tool. It was a way to get um, a, a lot of the members who don't necessarily have the ability to make it out to the national conferences uh, that might be states away, thousands of miles away. Um, so they used to require the regional conferences, um, but they, they stopped requiring that. So they just kind of went away. But I think that they're a fantastic opportunity. Um, and so region one, which is my region, um, we're going to be hosting in Alexandria, Virginia, uh, October 27th and 28th. And um, it's basically just a single day seminar with some networking events the day, the day before. Um, so it's going to be fantastic. We've got some great names. We've got Mike Bocalico, who is um, a big financial um investigator. Uh, he works for, uh, I'm sorry, he runs a company that's also a government contractor and working in intelligence investigations. He's going to be talking about ethics, which is fantastic. Um, you know, we've got Herman Weisberg, who um, I, I actually was connected to through you. And uh, Herman's got some big time investigation. So he's going to be talking about uh, working with the media, you know, the pros and cons working with the media, um, which is something I tend to stay away from, but I can see uh, how that would definitely come in handy sometimes, or there's obviously some drawbacks you need to be aware of. And so he's going to help us out with that. Um, we've got, um, Jen, Jen Soros is uh, Jen Sirwa. Yeah. Jen uh, is out of New Jersey. She's a bulldog when it comes to, um, Public records research is just finding things, finding people, finding money, finding information. And she's always thinking about the next possible route that you could take. And she just goes way out of the box. And so I'm looking forward to how she presents the way her mind works, because sometimes it's just it's pretty incredible to listen to her um, come up with strategy. Um, and uh, we also got um, Patrick Seward, who's uh, out of Virginia. And Patrick is going to be talking about cell phone location uh, and things like that. A little awesome. bit of a closer look. Yeah, that's that a, it's a great event. I'm actually driving down to that one. Usually I fly, but <laughs> I'm going to road trip that one. So I uh, should also mention, too, by the way, not to interrupt, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, but um, one of the best things about this conference is we're going to be showcasing the CLI certification. 
right. which uh, a lot of people contact us and uh, they want to get them self-certified involved in that sort of thing. Uh, but there's a specific route that you need to take in order to get that certification. And it always starts with the white paper. You need to write the white paper. And so our thoughts were, we're going to get started on the white paper at the conference. We're going to have a workshop. We're going to have CLIs at present. We're going to have CLIs helping out, help you get started on your topic, help you get started on your, uh, your outline and getting going. It's a thousand words. You know, it's not a full doctoral thesis, but you doesn't do need to have some, um, some pretty good, uh, fact basis behind it. And, um, you know, we're going to get everybody started on that too. Yeah. I used to be so intimidated about writing the, you know, the ooh, thousand words, like, it's not, you, know, like you think it's, it's really intimidating. Um, I wrote a, a chapter for a, um, a book that Chelsea Bins and Bruce Sackman put out the art of investigation, uh, the first edition, the actual second, second version part two is coming out, uh, soon. Um, and I remember when Chelsea had asked me to do it, she's like, yeah, I need like, you know, seven, 8,000 words, um, in like the next two weeks. And I was just like, oh my God, how am I going to do that? Right. But when you sit down to actually start banging out words, like it, it's amazing how quickly you get to that number. I actually ended up doing over and I'm glad I did over. Mm. It ended up, uh, when, when they redlined everything, <laughs> it shrank, <laughs> you know, yeah. oh, um, that, that's really cool, man. I, I'm looking forward to that. Like I said, I'm going to be there. Um, I'll be sponsoring with the toolbox and, you know, I'm always at Nally events. I love going to Nally events. I love my Nally friends. Uh, it is really a community. Um, if you're just getting into this industry and this business, that's a place where you want to be. Even if you can't join, if you don't have enough experience to join, just meeting these mentors, these people that, um, um, are really paving the way for our industry. And, uh, you know, what's exciting to me is to see folks like you, um, who don't have the same years of experience as guys like John LaJoy or Kitty Haley, uh, or, or things like that, you know, or Kelly Riddle, um, you know, we're the next generation, right. And we're, mm-hmm. we're doing it. We're, we're, we're establishing those relationships, just like those guys reestablished their relationships in, in that uh, community. So it's really exciting uh, to see that um, the folks that we know are going to be around the next 15, 20 years, where you have that network um, all over the country now of really qualified people. And that CLI is a big deal. You know, it's, it's really a good qualification to have. You definitely, uh, you know, folks check that out and, um, and we want to make sure that, that we're there. Uh, before we jump into a commercial break, because I do want to get into the, the topic at hand here uh, and, and get into that discussion. Tell me a little bit about how you got into the business. You're talking about how we're kind of the next generation. I, I did kind of take a, a, a different career route than I think a lot of investigators do. I was never law enforcement. You know, I have a bachelor's in criminal justice, but I just, I decided I didn't want to go the law enforcement route. It just, it, I, I interned with a probation office. I interned with a, a police department. You know, it just didn't feel like a right fit. So I, I had gone to a small college in, in New Hampshire and um, they put out a magazine where um, the front cover was a private investigator that had, um, she was now vice president of a, of a PI company. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, I, just, I had thought of that as a possible career path. So I, I reached out to her and she agreed to meet with me and that ended up turning into a job. And now here we are 17 years later, I started uh, level investigations uh, almost uh, nine, 10 years ago. And uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're flying through. Really good stuff. So we're going to take a a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into the topic. So everybody sit tight and we'll be right back. Nally is at it again with its next regional meeting. 
there is some awesome training scheduled in Alexandria, Virginia on October 27th and the 28th. The focus is on what it takes to become a certified legal investigator. So learn more at Nally.com. That's N-A-L-I.com. I want to talk to everybody today about ScopeNow.com. ScopeNow has been a big time sponsor of this program for quite some time. And I just love their service. I've been using them since the beginning. I'm one of their beta customers. And it's been so awesome to see them grow into the business that they are today and just how they just keep reinventing themselves and pushing themselves to get more and more information. What it comes down to is, is Scope Now is a tool that you definitely need to use if you do social media investigations, any internet research, and really spending less time digging around and, and uh, looking for information. I think it's one of the best points of how Scope Now can help you. Their AI platform, their analytics are amazing. You really get an idea of what you need. You're reducing the time, you're reducing the manpower that you, you're spending on doing this research because they're essentially doing it for you and uh, they're doing it correctly, which is most important. One of the new things that they're actually offering is this flagging system where you can flag behaviors and really highlight and um, look out for fraud. If you're doing a lot of fraud research, uh, this is a fantastic tool and you can set up alerts. So you have uh, particular people that you're looking at, you can actually set up alerts to get notifications when the criteria that you set up is actually um, is flagged and goes off. It's really, uh, really amazing. And their relationship and association analytics are uh, top notch, really uh, cutting edge and really, really cool. When they brought that out on version three, it was a game changer. I mean, really being able to see how people interact together and, and uh, you know having that relationship you know, analysis is really, really something that's cool. You know, one of the other things about being involved with Scope Now is their ability to offer webinars. Their team is cutting edge on putting together and getting out really, really great content. If you're a member of Scope Now, if you know who they are, you've seen them around on LinkedIn, you'll, you'll know that they're constantly doing webinars on these new websites that are coming out and uh, they're really staying on top of it. And don't forget, uh, any reports that you generate, you can actually white label those reports put your own logos on and, and really make them look professional, which you know could equate to more billing for you as well. So check them out today. It's uh, www.scopenow.com. They're a great, great company. They should be one of the tools in your toolbox, along with whatever kind of uh, search engines you do. Uh, you need to make sure that ScopeNow is a part of that suite. ScopeNow.com. Check out the PI Institute of Education at piinstitute.com. Since 1989, Kelly Riddle has been teaching on subjects such as surveillance, nursing home investigations, insurance fraud, domestic investigations, hidden assets, and accident scene investigations. The PI Institute of Education is a featured learning partner in the investigatorstoolbox.com. So check out the free content on the site, then visit the Institute for more great savings on additional classes. Looking for an insurance agent that puts you first? Every PI business is different. That's why OREP Insurance can shop multiple markets to ensure you get the best coverage to meet your unique business needs. OREP's model is business by the golden rule, and for over 20 years, they've built their business by putting their clients first. So come enjoy a fast online application and same-day certificates of insurance at OREP.org. OREP has coverage for armed investigators, executive protection, and even has a separate policy for security firms. 
The application takes less than five minutes, so visit OREP.org today. OREP.org. Check out the latest issue of PI Magazine, available online or by hard copy. Visit PIMagazine.com to learn more. And welcome back to PI Perspectives. This is Matt Sperry, your host. Today, I'm very honored to have my friend Dan Collins from Massachusetts here. Dan, welcome back to the program. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Okay, so we are getting your take, your perspective on post-conviction investigations. Uh, for those who don't know that terminology, what that is, can you break it down for me? So post-conviction is, is just like it sounds. You know, it's um, it's a defense-type investigation um, after somebody's already been convicted, and um, they're they're going through the appeals process, or maybe it's before they've actually officially started the appeals process, and they just want to explore what their options are. Um, I've been hired for post-conviction. Um, even before they've retained an attorney, because, uh, you know, your name gets around, um, you do criminal defense long enough, your name gets passed around the, the jails and the prisons, and uh, you're, you're getting phone calls. And, um, you know, you don't always take those cases, but uh, you want to take the good ones and, and the ones that you trust, um, you know, won't lead you astray. But uh, at the end of the day, I love the concept of post-conviction investigation, because you don't want the wrong guy in jail. And that's why we do the criminal defense investigation in the first place. That's the trial phase. Right. Trial so phase. What's, um, what's the discernment on when you, know, you get that phone call from, from somebody like, how are you, what's the checklist to say like, okay, this is something I'd be interested in or no, I think I'm going to pass. Well, nine times out of 10, I should mention, I want an attorney involved. Um, you know, and if an attorney is not involved, I want to get an attorney involved very quickly. Um, and, the reason being is it's very fact specific when it's a post-conviction investigation. Um, you know, the criminal defense trial phase before the trial, before there's been any sort of um, uh, conviction, guilty verdict, plea deal, whatever it is, um, you've got a lot of uh, exploration that you could do in the investigation. You can kind of take a bunch of different routes, kind of explore different theories of the crime, um, and with the post-conviction, you really need to narrow down exactly what the, the appeal is. And that's why the attorney is so necessary. Um, you want to, oh, light went off, I apologize. Yeah, no. Do you want me to? No, no, we're good, keep going. Okay, all right. So um, you really wanna make sure you're focusing in on the attorney there. The attorney is going to advise you the best route to take because um, they're going to be the ones that tell you uh, this is something that we can use an investigation on a lot of post-conviction. You don't really need the investigation because it's really technical lawyer speak. You know, somebody objected to something in the wrong way, or they didn't object to something in the wrong, wrong way. The investigation, most of mine are ineffective assistance of counsel uh, arguments. So for example, um, it doesn't necessarily have to even be, um, a bad attorney, you know, a lot of times they're, they're excellent attorneys. Um, but you know, they decided to go for a particular strategy that obviously didn't work out because it resulted in a conviction. And so now we need to kind of go back and audit the decisions that they made throughout the whole trial process. Hmm. And, um, what you can do is you can find where they maybe skipped over a fact that you could have explored more. And so, uh, a lot of times I'm asked to find facts that could have been found and moreover should have been found 
by the trial counsel. So it's like, and, okay, you had a bunch of th- threads, you pulled on the wrong thread, and let's pull on this other thread and do the exercise to see if had we pulled on this thread, would that have led to a different outcome? Uh, yeah. Right. And the other thing too, is you don't need to necessarily prove that it would have led to a different outcome. You don't need to perform an entire um, proof uh, of, of the crime. You don't need to beyond a reasonable doubt. That's not a, that's, that's not no longer a thing in the post-conviction appeals world. Um, you need to find something that you can convince the appeals court is significant enough. And so uh, if you can show enough points for the ineffective assistance of counsel, uh, for example, that um, trial attorney just uh, just went in the wrong direction and they should have gone so, in the right So direction. what happens at, at that point? Let's say the appeals court reviews your findings and says, okay, yeah, there were, a mistake was made here. Is there now a second trial or another trial that needs to take place with this new information? Yeah, well, the goal is to file a motion with the appeals court, and it's it's literally called a new trial motion. You want you want the you're not really asking um, necessarily to overturn, although that's what you're doing. What you're asking for is we need another bite at the apple. Mm-hmm. We need we need another opportunity to show beyond a reasonable doubt that this person is not guilty because right. the state didn't have enough facts in evidence that should, you know, that led so, to a conviction. So how is that not considered double jeopardy? Well, if the, um, I mean, I'm not an attorney, but right. you know, the, uh, it's not legal the, advice the, people. We're just having, yeah, I'm not giving them, <laughs> but you know, at the end of the day, you know, the, the, the appeals court is wiping that conviction clean. It never happened. Um, you know, in, in, in that sense, as far as uh, Jeopardy goes, but in the new trial, you now have the extra, it, you're back in the trial phase, mm-hmm. but you do have uh, sworn testimony and actual evidence that are now potentially evidence in the new trial. So um, you, you want to, um, it's a whole different ball game, even on that second trial, but at least you're back at the beyond a reasonable doubt standard. Sure. The, getting the appeal and getting the new trial, that's the hardest part, right. you know, and um, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you a, uh, a success rate on those cases, uh, but at least my personal experience, it's not a high success rate in getting it right. um, because you're, you're really trying to reach a high bar. Um, and that's really just convincing how significant the new evidence might be. I would have to say the, like the burden of proof has to be pretty substantial for, for an appellate court to, to reverse that decision, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 they don't want to, they, they don't want to do that because it's, um, it's a big burden on the system, you know, and you don't want to, you, you want to keep the system. Um, there's a standard, you know, and, and the standard is beyond a reasonable doubt. And if it's already been proven beyond a reasonable doubt that he's guilty, you know, they want to trust that the trial system in the first place, was good and legitimate. And if you're constantly overturning convictions, then you're really kind of eroding at the concept of the trial in the first place. I'm, I'm um, guessing that, that you're not getting many Christmas cards from district attorney offices, right? <laughs> I no, I, I've, yeah, you know what? They're actually very good. Uh, a lot of them, um, you know, they, uh, they, they get it. They get the, the idea where we're, we're two sides of the same coin. We both need to exist in order for it to happen. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's the purpose of having the adversarial system. You need the two sides to argue. If, if one side 
has all the power in the argument, then it's, it's, uh, it's not a fair outcome in either direction. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's something that Brandon definitely preaches and teaches and, and you saying that it's like, okay, yeah, this guy's definitely, he's buddies with Brandon. And <laughs> stuff. Brandon was pretty instrumental for me. Um, you know, I, I spent a good five, six years. Uh, so I'm going off topic a little bit, but that first company I started working for had, um, partnered with Brandon and, and uh, the CDIT. So we got a lot of just uh, one-on-one time with him and it was fantastic. And so I, I have uh, a lot to thank to Brandon and uh, the old company um, that the company was case in point and they, they did a fantastic, and they're still going too. Um, they're doing a good job up in New Hampshire. Right. So do, do any of these cases ever haunt you, you know, in one way or the other, like, oh, I couldn't crack this one. I didn't know this guy's not it, or it's like, wow, this guy's really messed up. The stuff that I've seen here is, it's horrifying. Yeah. You know, I have um, a, a couple cases uh, that are post-conviction right now that, um, you know, I, I don't know if haunt is the right word, but they, they stick on you. You know, they, it's, you're constantly, you're laying in bed and you can't sleep and you're trying to think about all the different ways that you could figure out how to get this guy out of jail because you and your heart believe that, even if you don't know if they're innocent, because none of us really know, you know, we weren't there. Um, you believe that the trial was not fair enough, you know, and that's really the point. And so you're trying to figure out how can we prove, um, you know, most of the post-conviction investigations, you, you know, the, the system won't bother with it if it's a simple drug possession or assault battery or something like that. Mm-hmm. So most of my post-conviction are the big ones. They're the murders. They're the, I have an armed robbery, um, and uh, that armed robbery, for example, um, that's a, a classic example where uh, they use DNA evidence um, improperly, I would argue. And uh, the attorney I'm working with on that one uh, believes the same. And, and we're doing the best we can to get that kid out because um, he didn't get a fair shake. And, uh, you know, you just you really want to keep pushing. You really just want to keep pushing. And. You know, I guess from an investigation perspective, you're not necessarily facing a time crunch like you are with a, a, a trial phase because um, right to a speedy trial, you don't want the person to be sitting in jail um, waiting for trial longer than they have to be. Um, and certainly you don't want them to be sitting in jail if they've been innocent, but at least, you know, you can make sure that it's right. You can get it done right. Um, and so we just were just constantly going at it and going at it and going at it. Uh, Massachusetts, I should mention, they have um, a quasi-governmental agency called CPCS, it's the Committee for Public Counsel Services. And that's the organization that funds the trial phase of um, defense. They, they fund the bar advocates, the attorneys that represent the indigent. They fund the, uh, the vendors uh, like investigators and um, uh, stenographers and, you know, the, all the experts, the medical experts and handwriting experts, you know, the, uh, interpreters, things like that. But there's a small part of that CPCS um, it, where it's, it's the, the Innocence Project, really. And they're funded through mostly grants. And so they're great because they run slightly differently, slightly separately. And the woman who runs it is herself a defense attorney, an appeals attorney. Sure. And so um, we get a lot of back and forth uh, on strategy, on 
you know, the best way to go about doing it. And so Massachusetts, um, I can't speak to other states, but uh, Massachusetts is, is um, underfunded, <laughs> but they have uh, an interesting system that helps us really get the right uh, opportunities for these, these guys that uh, want to fix their scenario. Yeah, I, I think probably every state can say that they're underfunded. <laughs> That's just yeah. the nature of the business here. Um, yeah. So what would you say that would be uh, a mistake that um, some investigators getting into this type of business would make? What's something to be aware of not to, um, you know, not to, not to go that route or do that thing? Well, I think case management is pretty important. And that was one thing I learned um, early is you get hungry to investigate. And unfortunately, the reality is we're underfunded. And so you can kind of blow your budget really quickly if you're not careful. In case management, uh, I'm constantly preaching to my employees, my other investigators. Um, let's just keep that in mind because, you know, the, that Innocence Project is funded through grants. They don't have, uh, you know, an infinite supply of a money tree. Yeah. yeah. And even the, the, uh, the criminal defense side, you know, a lot of times the trial phase, they're a little bit easier with money because, you know, they, they really want to make sure they get it right at that first bite of the apple. But the post-conviction, like you said, mostly grant money. So you really want to just be careful. And so um, I end up doing a lot of pro bono type work yeah. and because you just what you want to yeah. get it right. But, um, you know, it, it, that that's... Uh, that's what I would uh, prioritize it. You know, your, your reward you know. is in heaven, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> no. I have one uh, guy. It, it worked out. I have one one guy who um, he was involved in um, uh, a conviction. He was convicted back in the '90s um, for a big um, shooting that happened, and um, I I ran out of money, and I said, you know what? I believe enough in this case. I haven't charged him a single thing in the last four years. Oh. You know, you just, you just want to keep going. You want to keep going and you, you hate that it's an injustice. So, yeah. you know, it, it, I can't do that for everybody, yeah. but you know, you, you do the best you can where you can. Yeah. Uh, John Hoda always talks about that. You know, the, that, that little percentage <laughs> of pro bono work that, that he, you know, he throws in there to make sure that you can do that as a business owner <laughs> and somebody who's, who's trying to make sure my employees are all paid and, Mm -hmm. food on table my family that's something i struggle with too you know it's like you want to but then how much are you actually gonna be able to do and and honestly my specialty on on the personal injury on the plaintiff side i don't really have to do that that much it's not really mm. it's not the animal but mm -hmm. i respect the heck out of you and, and those that do that especially on the criminal side you know feeling that passion uh, to do that because it's very honorable you know um to you know, be a good human <laughs> try and find the truth on that. I, I appreciate it. I mean, I, you could look at it the other direction. Maybe I'm just not as good an investigator as I think I was, and I could have yeah, figured right. it out within the budget. <laughs> you could have stayed uh, in the budget, I think. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's but, the case, man, if your name's going around the, <laughs> the, the prison. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or maybe yeah, it is so, because, you know, they get yeah, free, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that's just doing it for free. Yeah. yeah. No, then I, then I end up quoting a, a much bigger sum of money for their friends that he's calling, uh, suggesting right. to call me. But um, no, it, there's a reason why I do it, you know, and it's, uh, I, and there's a reason why I, I didn't feel myself fitting in with the police department. I, and Brandon, I was listening to your uh, interview with him mm -hmm. um, the other day and um, 
you know, it, he did, he was saying he didn't want to just be a patrol guy, you yeah. know, and, I, and there's nothing wrong with being a patrol guy. And I don't want to say that there's something wrong there, but I wanted to just do something that made, uh, you know, a personal difference. I want to be able to look people in the eye and tell them I'm going to help you out. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, defending the constitution, you know, it, there's a, there's a person, nobody calls a PI because they're having a good day. They're calling no, me no. because they're, they're in the middle of something. Yeah. And, you know, I feel lucky to be able to be involved in their life in such an intimate way. Yeah. Attorney client privilege extends to me, you know, I, I, nobody can force me to testify against these clients yeah. based on what information they tell me. So they trust me with the information. You have to still earn that trust. There's two choices, um, right? They can call you or they can call Mr. Wolf. Yeah. 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 Probably better to call yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, defending constitution is, is, is big for me. You know, his rights are my rights and your rights. And, you know, the guy down the street, it's everybody you need to hold, um, the powers that be accountable, you know, and you don't want to let them run loose because uh, it's really easy for rights to get trampled. And, and so it's, it's almost like we're the last line of defense in, in this specific corner of the world um, where uh, criminal defendants, um, you know, we're, we're the ones that are underfunded, you know, the police yeah. departments, they've got hours and hours and overtimes and all that stuff and investigators within the DA's office, you know, then you look across the aisle and it's the attorney and me. Yeah. And I've got a budget <laughs> that I've, I've got to stick to. So um, it, it leads to a lot of creativity and, and uh, it's, it's a, it's a good responsibility. I like it. Yeah. I, I, I think that whole comment about case management is so important. You know, even, you know, no matter what type of invest, investigation work you do, you know, you got to have a case management system in, involved in there. It really helps you with your budgets. It helps you, uh, with organization and, and, you know, making sure that you're addressing things in timely fashion um, is really, really important too. So um, I think that's what sets apart a good investigator from an average, you know, any, anybody can go out and talk to somebody and ask questions, uh, but a good investigator will be able to figure out the right questions to ask, you know, and we'll be able to figure out that witness is a higher priority than that witness. And mm -hmm. I know why, you know, because I've read, I'm, intimately familiar with the facts and the details of the case. And um, I've already decided that if I only get five minutes with this particular witness before they tell me to go F off, I can at least really try to squeeze in my highlighted points. You know, um, you know, you, you really need to um, prioritize everything. And the case management is absolutely crucial with that. Great. Great. Yep. All right. So we're going to wind down here. Um, Dan, I want to thank you so much for, for coming on and, and uh, talking about this a little and just, you know, giving your perspective on how to do this type of investigative work. Um, let's talk again about that Mali conference. So give me um, just a little more information on that and how can folks learn more about it? At NallyOnline.org. Um, you can get on there and take a look. There's a big red bar at the top of the screen when you go to the main page, mm -hmm. uh, October 27th and 28th. All of the... Um, Training presentations will be on the 28th, uh, but there's some great networking events. We're going to be doing a tour of Pentagon. We're going to be doing a big dinner and um, hospitality suite at the hotel. Uh, but then on the 28th, we've got all those presentations and the CLI workshop. So I would encourage everybody to go check it out. Great. Thanks, Dan, for coming on. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this episode. And we'll catch everybody next week on the next episode. Take care. Thanks again. Thanks again.
Thank you, Dan, for jumping on and sharing your passion for Nally and the criminal investigation work. If you do legal investigations, you should really consider checking out the conference in Virginia. A special thanks also goes to Crosstracks, PI Institute of Education, Scope Now, and OREP for sponsoring this show. So please support our great supporters. And don't forget, Investigators Toolbox, now is the time to get on board and join the fastest growing digital community for investigative professionals. Use code EPISODE157 and save 100 bucks on membership this week only. If you have a question or a comment about the show, email Matt at MatthewS at SatellitePI.com. You can also find him on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. We want your feedback to bring you the best shows possible. And we'll be back next week with a new show. So make sure you tune in and stay safe out there.